so one of the problems here is in our previous podcast recording studio, there was a big red button that all three of us had to hit to hit record. Now there's a big red button that says leave studio. And so <laughs> only Bob has to hit record and I see a countdown and I'm getting ready to like three, two, one, and then like leave studio. And then you're gone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll get used to it. It was weird though. I mean, we did the other software for five years, six years, something like that. So we got pretty used to like, this is how we yeah. start the show every time. And now it is yeah. different. But anyway, how you guys doing? What's, good, what's doing good, good, good. Surviving the cold. Came in this morning, and uh, I didn't spend the night here, but I came in this morning, and the pipes frozen. But, uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. How's the basement going? Oh, the I mean, basement project. Call it a basement. Yeah, know. yeah. It is the basement. It's uh, I guess you know you root cellar whatever, but it is a basement uh, that is certainly tall enough to stand in, and it's not the whole footprint of the house. It's about two thirds of the footprint of the overall house. And it's really old and vintage. And these guys are doing a, a really incredible job. It's funny, just like every other house project Taylor begins, she thinks it's going to take the weekend. They've been down there <laughs> digging. There is, there is a pile of dirt off in the side yard because this property is fairly large. So I always say just throw it in the tree line, whatever it is. Rocks, bricks, all the floor from the basement. There is a pile there the size of like an F-350 truck <laughs> oh, times two. And that's all, that's taken five inches of dirt out of the basement. It is unbelievable how much dirt was removed. There's six pallets of big giant stones. You know, it's like a little basement. You think, oh, let me just remove the rocks. Suddenly you have a pile of rocks enough to fill up four pallets. And each one of the pallets probably weighs 3,000 pounds of rocks. It is unbelievable. And they're, and they're all hand chiseled rocks from 200 years ago. So we're saving them. We'll probably use them around the property. But then they're doing the French drain and the gravel and the pits and the and the the bucket and the it's it's a lot of work. It is a lot, a lot, a lot of work, and I'm glad I'm not doing it. <laughs> I was gonna say it's a lot of work that you don't have to do. That's it's nice. funny because suddenly this morning I went down there to put the heater on the main pipe that feeds the house, and I went down there and I was like, wow, like I'm six inches deeper into the earth than I was this time a week ago because they really got it all leveled off ready for concrete and there's going to be i'll send you guys pictures later there's going to be four drains that all lead to the corner of the room that uh will be the sump pump that pushes the water up and out of the house into the yard oh and since i saw you guys i got those two trees removed in front oh these yeah 200 plus year old trees right in front and i i really did not want to have them go because they really like the defining characteristic of the house. It's always like, oh, the house with the two big trees in front. And now they're gone. My house looks like you, Dave. It's got no mustache anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it reminds me of like when you see a vintage picture of houses on the prairie and it's just a house and there's nothing around it. I still have a lot of big trees, but not ex right close to the house. But when you see these old houses from, you know, the uh, whatever, like the 1850s and there's just like a, cute little house sitting all alone with no trees around it because the house was just built in these black and white photos. That's what my house reminds me of now. There's no big trees around it. Uh, there's one more that we have to probably take down, but now I have these big, tremendous logs. We cut them down into kind of six foot sections and then we left one really long one. So I got like one, he just cut the base and let it flop over. And he gave me a good deal because he didn't remove any of the big wood. They chipped up all of the brush, but all the big logs is still out there. 
and I could move them around with the tractor eventually. But it's uh, it's unbelievable. I th- put it on my Instagram. This guy, the bucket truck reached up only so far, maybe 75 feet. And then he got out of the bucket truck and climbed. And as he was climbing up the tree, he was cutting branches off as he was climbing up. He was look like, give us like a guy that walks up a coconut tree or a palm tree oh, all the yeah. way to the top. That's what he looked like at the top of this thing. I put it on my Instagram. And he got to the top. And then I'm thinking to myself, how's he going to top this? Usually they top it with a rope. And like top it means they cut the top 10 feet off and then it falls. To the, and he was took advantage of the wind. The wind, everything he felt was like going off and over. And so he knew he just cut it. And as it fell, it just went off and over and away from where anybody was. Or, and obviously away from the house. These two big trees were within seven, eight feet of the foundation of the house. And if they had decided to blow over in the wind, they were, they were both at least 75, 80, maybe 90 feet tall. And if either one of them decided to blow over in the wind, they would have pulled up the foundation and my porch. They were both right near the edge of the new porch. So they would have definitely done some damage on the porch. Even if they fell away from the house, the root ball would have pulled up at least three or four porch mm. poles and, and damaged all that. So it's a uh, peace of mind because we get very windy winters up here. And and he said, he goes, the wind, the wind up here has just been crazy this year. He says lots of trees have fallen over. And mm. I don't know if I sent you guys, this is, was the deciding factor. There's a big giant tree. It's got a 30 inch diameter trunk. It just blew over and snapped about 10 feet up. And so when that happened, I was like, if that can happen to that tree, these yeah. two trees are too close to the house. And so we did it and it's done. And uh, do you, so do you we, think you're going to plant anything else in that, the area, you know, possibly. to kind of frame the house? Uh, possibly. Yeah. I mean, once, yeah, Taylor has all plans. Once the porch is finished and um, we get, we just ordered new porch poles. Once all that's done, she's definitely going to do a bunch of gardening, but probably keep low bushes. Nothing's going to be like a big tree. Hmm. If anything, we'll plant a tree, like, obviously not near the house. He said, uh, Casey, the guy that cut the tree down, said it's very typical that trees were planted close to the house back in the day. Just trying to make the place look a little bit homey is kind of a tradition. But now here it is 100 years later, and these trees are all potentially dangerous to the house. He said, I go, I said, am I doing the right thing cutting these down? I wanted to hear him say, you know, like pat me on the shoulder and say, you know. Um, and he said, I grew up here. He goes, I've been driving by this house my whole life. And about 10 years ago, I said, these trees have to come out. And he goes, I'm oh, you're wow. making the right move. <laughs> I was like, okay, that's good. Yeah. He said, you're doing the right thing. There's probably, I mean, I don't know much about trees, like, you know, uh, their needs and, and their root ball spread and stuff like that. But I'm sure that there's some sort of tree that you could plant that would get big enough to create the cover that you're talking about without being as affected by wind. Because I know like in Savannah, when we live there, the live oaks are a, a totally different kind. There's a lot of pine down there, so these like really spindly, tall, crazy. But then there's live oaks that are you know four or five times as big around. They don't go quite as tall, and instead of a deep tap root, they have a kind of flat mm-hmm. root plane almost. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what you call these things. And so those two trees handle wind completely differently they break in totally different and fall in totally different ways, you know, and, and they live in the same environment. So I'm sure that there's probably some tree that you could get up there that would create the cover you need without being quite as affected by wind. But yeah, that's a guess. Yeah. It's crazy up here. The wind is just unbelievable. And if it's a windy night, my house isn't insulated. If it's windy and cold, forget it. It's like, I have a propane heater in a couple of rooms that I I turn on and I'm just constantly monitoring them to make sure that the house will not catch fire. 
So this year, that, that side of the house that faces the wind directly, we're going to pull all the clapboard off and insulate it from the outside and then mm. put the clapboard back on. We've decided to do that. It's obviously expensive, but is what it is. Construction's expensive, no matter yeah. what. So besides that, I've been working on my machinist toolbox, which is coming out good. Hopefully I have it ready for this weekend. And uh, yeah, it's funny. It's lots of traditional woodwork, which is not something I do typically. I mean, I obviously do a lot of woodwork, but it's funny when I do a woodworking video and when I look at the, the timeline, it's just like all wood. It's just like, Wood, 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 wood. And the whole timeline, I'm like, I'm so bored by looking at this. I hope people like watching this. Are you doing any kind of like green felt inside? Yeah, well, it's a Starrett sponsored video. So yeah, I will have red. Red, Gershner makes the toolboxes in Ohio. They make the traditional wooden machinist toolboxes for many years. And they reached out to me through through a friend of a friend said, look, Jimmy's doing this. And so that I bought a bunch of hardware from them. And then they saw my name in the thing and... So they called me and they're like, hey, would you be interested in doing a some sort of collaboration where we have hardware kits? I told you guys this week, Leslie Juan told me about it. And so uh, in the video, I'm going to obviously talk about Starrett and Gershner. And Gershner used to make a Starrett toolbox with red velvet, red felt. Hmm. And uh, so I bought the red felt and, and all the hardware. So I said, hopefully I can get that sorted out. It's funny when I think about my timeline, like today is Wednesday in the morning. I have all day today, all day tomorrow, and all day Friday. And in my timeline of things, that's for me, that's like eight days worth of work. <laughs> <laughs> I got plenty of time to get this done. Yeah, I got it done. Man, anytime <clears throat> I see one of those Kirchner toolboxes, they're just like, you just want to touch them and they just look like they have so much history and so many stories to tell. Yeah. They're just absolutely beautiful. Yeah. And then, you, so they still they still make them and sell them and they are like twelve hundred dollars, fourteen hundred dollars. These are massive. All handmade too. Yeah, they are handmade, huh? You know, handmade, but like you know, probably with modern machinery, but it'll still handmade in in Ohio. Yeah. Wow. Um, speaking of trees, David, I was going to ask you. Not speaking of trees, we were speaking of trees <laughs> earlier, not just now. Anyway, um, trees. You were talked about getting those trees in your backyard cut yep. down. Is that still the plan yep. or is that? That is still the plan. Yep. I gave the, the tree guy the go ahead and we're waiting for spring and the ground to not be so wet. Um, the way our property is set up, he has to cut them down and then drag them the long way all the way around the property <laughs> to to the front. It makes so such a it mess. Is, it makes such a it's, mess. It's, so. uh, yeah, it's going to be. It's going to be a chore. You got and big, heavy logs falling from, you know, 50 feet in the air into your lawn. It's like, oh. Thank yeah. God it was frozen. The ground was frozen that day. But if it, the ground was soft, my front lawn would have looked like a, a minefield. Yeah. So, yeah, that's a that's a go. Um, and it's just going to be this one guy and and his partner. And they're going to climb up and do one section at a time. Because we, we priced in, like, having a crane. And they would have to go over the garage. And it was going to be, uh, you know... Twelve thousand dollars or something yeah. like that, and uh, yeah. it cost, this guy is six thousand dollars. It cost and, me thirty five hundred to have these trees removed. Yeah, it was a crew of three guys all day with a bucket. I, I think my neighbors are going to be happy because these trees are right on the corner of the property, and they hang over their pool. And one is this big sycamore tree, and if you ever seen a sycamore leaf, it is like 
15, 16 inches wide. They're huge, massive leaves. And I'm sure they just pollute their pool all year round. So the neighbors are probably going to be pretty happy. Awesome. Well, what have you been working on? Uh, that's a good question. Um, that's why last year it. at this <laughs> last year at this time, I said I was going to shoot a video on the go kart engine build, and then I never did. I was I decided not to, and then this week we actually started one. Um, so I'm I'm doing that, and I'm gonna film it all now within the next two weeks. But then I'm gonna wait until I get a race or two in to film the end of the video. I kind of want to do a race where like I I do okay, like I finish in the top three. So um, I'm going to hold on to the footage for a little bit. And I showed you guys a little bit ago and I showed my Patreon members the uh, this utility knife that I'm making. And we all know that the best utility knife in the world is Jocko's utility knife. So <laughs> I'm making the, the world's second best utility knife that uh, it rides on a pivot and it snaps closed with magnets and it'll be one of the things where you can you can download the plans and you can send it to this company called Sencut Scent and they'll cut out the aluminum core the two pieces for you and then you assemble it and then you can make your wood sides and shape it however however you want so um it's a fun little thing. I've made probably 16 different prototypes on my CNC and uh, an acrylic. And I thought it would be a lot easier than it was, but just to get it to close and open right and the, the pivot point. And now I'm changing my mind on how the mechanism works. It's uh, it's kind of fun, but it's also frustrating because usually I make a thing and I'm done and I move on to the yeah, next thing. Product development is, is such a pain in the butt. Yeah, this is, this is a two week in progress deal and I haven't even shot any footage yet. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, you're leaving the development process out of the video for that and just kind of going with the final result. No, I, I will. Um, I want to make sure that I get a design that actually works first and then I, I still have all the pieces. So I will, I will briefly talk about like, this is was, this was the first version. This is why it didn't work, but I'm not filming all that because that's just going to get in the way of me trying to figure, trying to figure it out. I can still tell the story, but I don't want to be slowed down with silly cameras. That is an interesting thing that when you try to come up with an original idea or something that takes a lot of iteration, capturing that, is difficult, but even if you captured it, turning that into something worth, you know, somebody else watching is difficult. It's a little redundant. Yeah. And that's even before you actually do the thing that you're really trying to show off. <laughs> right. But I know a lot of people who, you know, would like to develop their own products or just like are interested in that process would like to see that. It's just a hard thing to make translate into good video. Yeah. Because I know yeah. there's a lot of like electronic stuff that I, I mean, I'm working on two things right now on my desk here that there's a lot of development in, like, uh, thinking through the process. If I do this, then that causes this and this and this. You know, and there's a lot of mapping out that has to happen that would really be useful for somebody who wanted to replicate it. But for everybody else, that's just, like, nonsense talk that would get in the way <laughs> of everything, you know. 
That's why you need like a good, you need a good documentary style videographer that's going to like do the silhouette. You're sitting alone thinking. Yeah. (laughs) The smoke coming off of your soldering iron in slow-mo. What is that other other YouTube channel I always used to make fun of? Not YouTube, but Vimeo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then that would be a Vimeo video. It wouldn't be a YouTube video. Everybody would have to type in some hokey password to see it. It would be really You're joking, but we've also talked about that in the past here. No, sure. About us being like, well, what if we for maybe just a project we shot because we shoot pretty lean we try to only shoot the stuff that we think we're going to use but what if we shot way more just like everything for a two-week period but then the drawback of that is you have to go through it somebody has to parse through all of that footage and see what's useful and what's not and and even you know the more you shoot the more you have to copy the more you have to transcode the more and all that stuff so it's a weird, there's a weird little trade-off in there. As to and so you need a team of uh, junior editors to look through stuff and go, oh, here's a really interesting thing when you flush the toilet and you drop the part, you know, like, because <laughs> you know, I know we have the editors on the Netflix show. Mm-hmm. Mike would occasionally say, oh, look, they found this really cool thing. You know, it's like not stuff that we remember or that, you know, even everybody was conscious of when it happened, you know, because there's a few cameras, they're picking up different parts and so it's not like when we work alone with one camera, you remember pretty much intimately mostly every little quirk. Yeah. But when you have a you know multicam and a bunch of junior editors looking at stuff. We have talked that, about, actually, and I'm not putting out a call for applications, anybody who's listening, but we have talked <laughs> about getting a junior editor for that initial parsing of stuff because I think it would free yeah. up Anthony to be a little more shoot-heavy, you know, to just capture more stuff if we didn't have to worry about him also going through the footage end but that's uh it's funny because i i've been thinking i I got this project which i'm going to release in a few months from now and i'm working on it and i talked to you guys about it before we started and uh it's a small thing but it's 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 got it's got a special meaning so and in time it's not a secret i just it's just a timing thing um but i was thinking about when i'm editing something special or heartfelt or you know something more meaningful than just like a typical build which is what i'm working on i was talking to you guys about and i've been thinking about the edit i'm filming it and it's, it's going to be a video eventually but i'm filming it and the whole time i'm thinking is somebody read a poem over this is there a like what is the song what is the music what is the mood going to be for all this and it's um I don't know what the answer is yet, but it's forcing me to look at editing a video from a different point of view or with just some different stimuli added to it. Do you think that's affecting how you're shooting it at all? Possibly, yeah. No, in the beginning, yeah, because I was I was going to do the whole entire thing and just in uh, – I was going to shoot the entire thing in uh, time-lapse with no sound, you know, just because I wanted to listen to the radio and I was just listening to things and – my, I have a big set of speakers in that shop, so I usually have a lot of music playing. And then at a, I'm like, let me just shoot the whole thing in time lapse, and then I could put like a like a moody audio thing over it. And then I started finding out really interesting design challenges. And I was like, oh, this would be interesting to shoot up close with a regular camera. And so I started doing that. So it turned into a regular shoot where it started out as a time lapse only. I don't know. I, I'm talking about something nobody could see, but the the point I'm making is it's forcing me to think. It's it's a video about a sentimental thing, so it's forcing me to think about how the edit's going to be, where it's not just blah, 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 building something with the sound of tools. And um, so I was thinking of all different sort of, uh, I don't know, what do you call them, like tropes or or just various like 
camera tricks and not necessarily tricks, but editing tricks and editing cues and editing audio and da 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 da, da that could make this video just just be just a little bit of a cut a cut apart from the average. You know, now for me, I don't know, it's not going to be dramatically different, but something will come to me, especially when I start putting the sequence together and I start looking at it. But in general, this this week reminded me of that. And then we're talking about how to take something that's fairly mundane to look at. Like, like I don't do a lot of printing videos because they never do well. And it's hard to shoot something that looks like this week I made this card. I'll show you guys this like fold up thing that turns into a little cube. I saw that. Yeah, that's cool. And I just, it just relegated it to Instagram videos because to make a full 15 or eight minute video out of it, it's just, it, it's, it's hard. And that's the type of video that I'd have to make an eight minute video or a 10 minute video and have like interesting voiceover and like, what am I thinking? And da, 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 da. you know, it would just make it a little bit more rich than just a quick fast forward. Okay. He's printing something. Might as well be a Xerox copier. Who cares? <laughs> yeah. I mean, in that case, it kind of depends on what the payoff is. Like if, yeah. if that video really, if there was something there that would be valuable to, to people, or there's something about the video that would be really valuable to you to have made, you know, a sponsorship or a, I, I don't know, something then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we it falls back to that tendency we all have to like, well, I make videos for a living, so I have to make a video of this thing that I'm doing, whether it's interesting or not. You know, we all fall into that. Yeah. So that's why I like with this. I When I first conceived of making this cube card, I really thought, oh, okay, this is going to be a cool printing video. Then when I looked at it, I'm like, what do I really have here? I mean, the guys at Milwaukee Dyes made me, this, my friend Ben made me this die cut, which is cool. I just sent in a line drawing and they came back with something cool and... I stick it on the printer and boom. Yeah. That's like, that's about eight seconds worth of video right there. Then what do I have? <laughs> then I print them. I go, okay, that's about another one minute worth of video. <laughs> okay, what do I have now? Yeah. Three minute video. Let's just put it on Instagram. Hmm. Cool. Well, uh, let's see. For me, what's coming out this week? Theoretically, if we get the video done, <laughs> uh, I made a door. Did I talk about the door last week? For my office. It doesn't sound familiar. Okay. I made a door uh, for my office right here behind me. And several years ago, we bought some sliding barn door hardware for another door in the house, and we ended up never using it. So I've been planning on putting it here. And so uh, made a simple maple door and then left a kind of a window, a picture window top section to it. And so then I made a piece of art and I'm, I should probably air quote that art uh, to go <laughs> in the door out of acrylic and epoxy. So I took a scene from Star Wars that's kind of a, a landscape scene that would be recognizable to people who like Star Wars. And I cut the ground silhouette and two suns out of acrylic and then laid them in this form and then poured epoxy in the rest of this thing. And this thing's like 29 inches by 25 inches. Ended up being about an eighth of an inch thick. And then the colors of the epoxy in that big open area fade from, it was supposed to be kind of a sun, kind of a dusk, uh, you know, kind of sunset kind of color palette, but it's a blue to purple. I really dislike purple. I don't know if anybody knows this about me, but like purple, purple <laughs> is just a color that I've, I have some weird aversion to. I don't know why. Um, especially like really pinkish purples. And this image 
that's from Star Wars that's very burned into my brain has those colors in it. And so I was going out of my comfort zone to try to create a piece of art, again, air quotes, that had colors in it that are a color palette that I'm not drawn to. So it was kind of a weird thing to start with. Anyway, um, but what was interesting about it was that I made this, I poured multiple colors of epoxy in lines across and tried to, like I did the outside colors and then tried to mix an inside color and then ended up doing four or five colors to get them to, it's not faded, but to get them to work together, to get a gradient from the top to the bottom. So it worked out all right. And then when I got it done, it was like the colors were so vibrant. Ended up, And it was on a white piece of melamine. So all that white was shining through. And that made all of the colors even more vibrant. And it just looked like a unicorn exploded on this. <laughs> it was like it was like blue and then faded up to purple and then was kind of like pink at the top. And it was really just kind of gross to me. And I texted, uh-huh. I sent a picture of it to the guys and I'm like, I hate this. I, this looks terrible, you know. And so what I ended up doing was taking another... Uh, this was in a form. So I ended up mixing another batch of epoxy and just tinting it just barely blue and barely black. And then I poured that over top of the entire thing. And that really leveled out the color, like that that really saturated pink and purple. It really leveled that across it. And then, and it made it look a lot better. And then when I took it out of the form without that white, melamine behind it that really knocked it down too I think that had a lot more to do with it than I realized at the time so I ended up with a piece of art that you can see through so it's like a glass insert in a door and into the office and it turned out this sounds amazing it turned out pretty well I mean for that's cool you know I I don't know I'm not really sure what I expected it to look like to be honest (laughs) I had an idea and then I just started doing it without really doing any research on the epoxy stuff and how to mix colors or how to pour multiple. I mean, that's what I do. Like, I don't I don't look up to see how other people do it. I just jump in. And so, you know, I, I set myself up for not really knowing how to do it correctly, I think. And yeah. had to kind of work around that a little bit throughout. But it, it ended up pretty cool. Um, and so now I have a sliding door on my office. How heavy did it? Is it super heavy? I mean, the the art piece? Yeah. No, not really. It's only about an eighth of an inch thick, maybe a quarter inch. Oh, would, I, yeah. for some reason in my head, I'm picturing it a lot thicker. No. Yeah, I'm picturing like an inch thick. Well, because I cut, so the acrylic that I cut for the, the bottom silhouette of the ground, it was an eighth of an inch. So that was my kind of thickness that I was trying to get the entire gotcha. thing out of yeah. And then I added that full layer over top of all of that. And that was another eighth or so. So it ended up being about a quarter. And I was a little afraid that taking it out of the form at that size, you know, it's like 20, 29 by 25, something like that, that it would bend, that it would break, that it would crack, because that's a big sheet of pretty thin stuff. It did fine. It held its shape. It cured up, you know, 24 hours. I just used like Total Boat um, tabletop for it. Again, I don't know if that's the right stuff to use, but it was what was sitting there on my table. So that's your tabletop. <laughs> yes, I oh did. Oh my goodness! Don't you know anything? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's what I did, and then we've been working on another project for next week or the week after or something. Uh, that really took a turn yesterday, in like. <laughs> 
I'll talk about it next time. But it, we were like, we don't have a lot of time to get this big thing done, so let's just start on it. And we started, and we got barely into it. And I was like, this, there's a lot of things here that are not working like we expected. So we had to make a like a really big pivot in a day. And what was interesting about that was that the pivot that we kind of forced were forced to take ended up making the entire thing simpler, easier for somebody to replicate. It looks nicer. The first design was good and interesting, and this one is simpler, but I think probably the better move. But yesterday was a weird day because we went into the beginning of the day like we have to get a lot done because there's a lot of pieces to this. We're making a table and a lot of pieces to this table, a lot of little things to figure out. And and then some failure and some dissatisfaction with how it was turning out caused it to be, like I said, simpler and ultimately better. And so by the end of the day, it was really good. We were like, oh, look, you know, that pivot was worthwhile. But in the day, in that time, it got really stressful and really, like, disappointing. Yeah. I felt it's, like, you feel like you wasted your whole day. Yeah, like, oh, man, I just, you know, I bought $500 worth of wood and we cut it up into a bunch of pieces and now we can't use any of that. Like, ugh. Speaking of, have you ever used Aspen? I don't think so. Wood? Don't ever use species? Aspen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hot tip. If you haven't, don't, because it it's like, I don't know. It's like somebody mixed pine and hair and then <laughs> turned it into wood, and then when you cut it, hair just falls off of it. It's super hairy and weird. It's technically a hardwood, but it's one of those that feels like a softwood. It feels like pine pretty much, but it's really fuzzy. So when you go to sand it, you can't get a super nice surface on it because it just these little fibers keep popping up and keep you know and yeah Hmm. not a fan not a fan at all it's really pretty it's nice and almost looks like maple a little bit more yellow but very low like the grain's not very visible you know so it's it's uniform but yeah avoid it avoid it all right anyway we'll talk more about that table next time um i got a couple things coming up that uh, I'm pretty excited about. One, I got the dog. I told you guys about the second dog. Yes. Yeah, we saw the photo. Yeah, Crazy. so got the and second nuts. dog, and he is awesome. Now, I've okay. had him for almost a week. He still doesn't have a name. <laughs> <laughs> Just like Indy, our first dog, it took a week for her to get her name because we try to include my four kids, and so six people trying to decide on something is very difficult. Um, when we adopted Duke a couple months ago, he came with the name Duke, and we're like, we don't like the name Duke, so we're going to change the name. And two weeks in, we could not come up with anything. He just didn't, his personality wasn't coming through, Yeah, and so we just stuck with Duke. I don't like Duke, but he's, he's a Duke. He's totally a Duke. Yeah. Actually, Duke was on our list, and so is Bear. Hmm. Those are both like two of the, the names That's that are kind of at the top. Yeah. I've been kind of avoiding it because you have a bear, and I know it doesn't matter. Our dogs are never going to hang out or anything and be confused. But. <laughs> well, you know what? We were going to – so I'll tell you, we got – because on on that trip, we stopped at the Hank Williams Museum. We stopped at the Hank Williams grave, and we stopped where Hank Williams was born. Just because, like, we went to one, and everyone's like, oh, go visit his grave. It's around the block. And then on the way home, we drive in, and we saw this is all in Alabama. And then there's a sign that says – birthplace of Hank Williams and we needed to take a bathroom break anyway. So we went to go look. And so, and then that same trip, we found the dog and we were going to name the dog Hank. And then, so we were calling him Hank the whole ride. 
and that was going to be Bear's first name. And then when we got home, Taylor's like, I think I like the name Bear better. I was like, okay, whatever. Hmm. So, so, yeah, so Hank we, is a great name. <laughs> well, so Bear and Moose are the two that are like top right now because he is, we, we don't know his breed exactly, but I think he's a Great Pyrenees lab mix. And so he, and his paws are gigantic. They're like almost as big as my hands. So he's going to be really big. He is incredibly sweet, just gentle and, you know, like he's going to be a big, giant, soft, sweet thing. So we're looking mm. for a name that kind of fits that. But anyway, he's awesome. Uh, that's been a really exciting thing this week, but it's also been an adjustment, you know, two puppies. They're a week apart in age, too. So we have. Wow. Yeah. And they're both. not related. No. no. Um, anyway, so that's been one big thing this weekend. If Wait. weather, what? Yes. It remind. There's this bit, and there's this comedian who's since passed away. His name is Robert Schimmel, and he has this little bit where he talks about uh, they get a new they get a new puppy, and the kid wants to name the puppy Chickenhead, <laughs> and he's arguing with the kid. He's like, "We are not naming the dog Chickenhead," and then like later on in the bit, he's like. It's months down the road. He's like, so we're taking Chicken Head to the vet, and like, it's just <laughs> <laughs> like he the lost kids. No matter what. Yeah, yeah. There's been some really good names that have been thrown around in my house, but it's just getting everybody to to settle on them. One of my favorites actually was Dude, because he's so chill and just so relaxed. We all kind of thought he would make a good dude, you know? <laughs> we call him the dude. The dude. Yeah. The get over here, the. <laughs> Um, anyway, so this weekend, if weather permits, I'm still scheduled to have the Carmen Ghia blasted. And so I actually have to figure out how to get out there before then and prep all the parts and make sure that I can get the rotisserie, you know, like out of the garage, into the yard. I haven't actually tested that and stuff, but that's pretty exciting. Um, and I'm, I'm curious to see how that day is going to turn out because it's scheduled for a Sunday. The guy does it on the weekends and I don't know how long it's going to take. I don't know if he's like a... I'll be there at 5 a.m. kind of guy or, you know, <laughs> I don't know what my day is going to look like and what I'm going to have to do. But I know that after he blasts it, I'm going to immediately have to coat it with stuff. So I'm going to be waiting on him to be finished, dust it off, clean it off, and then coat it to preserve it. So I'm pretty excited about that. That's coming up. Um, is but it I also filmed? Do what? Are you filming it? I'll probably get some shots of him blasting. I mean, you know, it's not, I'm not doing any of that work, but for whatever the next Carmen Ghia video will be, that will kind of be the the beginning of it, you know? So that's another thing. I'm at a point with the car where we were talking about this the other day that, you know, getting the rotisserie was built in the car on it was a pretty good uh, kind of capsule of, it was like a waypoint, you know, it was like a, from this to this is a good little capsule of video that works together. And I don't really know what the next little chunk is. I don't know what the next kind of stopping point is to make a video where to stop it. So I'm not really sure, you know, I want to be able to plan this amount of work will equal one video, but I don't really know what the end point of that would be or how to move forward in such a long-term thing without having those little endpoints. Because I know some people will just do, you know, whatever work I can get done in a week or in a day or whatever, and that's the video. And uh, we've never just done Just watch a bunch of Alex Steele videos for inspiration. That's a good point. Yeah, he does a lot of that. 
um, we've never had that kind of pace on videos. You know, it's always been kind of a completed thing for the most part. And so it's a little bit of a new thing for us to try to figure out. But <clears throat> um, excuse me. <clears throat> Man, my throat. So I had an idea for something we could talk about. And we, you know, we're 35 minutes in, so we don't have to talk about it long. But I was curious if you guys had experience with thoughts about maker fatigue. And the reason I'm bringing this up is not because I'm complaining about my job. That is amazing. Don't hear that. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not, like, tired of it. But when I think of the word fatigue, I think of just – I think of it from a running perspective. Like you can be as excited and energetic as you want, but at a certain point of running, things just begin to wear down and things get tired mm. whether you want to do it or not. It's not about mm-hmm. your motivation. It's about just the muscles need a break. And yeah. I think I have been feeling that for a while and not really quite recognizing what it was, just the, the – uh, the kind of strain of constantly trying to generate ideas and trying to fill space with a new thing, you know, it's like exercise Mm -hmm. in that I think my body, my brain needs a break from that so that I can rest and do it again. But I don't build that rest in to my job like I do into exercise. When I run in a week, I don't run every day because that fatigue would set in and then my runs would become terrible. I run a couple of days, take a day off for my muscles to rest, go back to it, and then take a couple of days, you know. So that rest is built in, but I don't really do that with work. And I think I probably yeah. need to figure out how to do that. But anyway, I was. Yeah. do you guys have any experience with this? I mean, do you feel that? Yeah, I, I certainly do. And uh, <clears throat> it's it's those days where I look for any excuse to go to Home Depot just to take a drive and huh. you know i'll go to home depot sometimes twice in a day I'm like oh yeah oh i forgot something thank god and yeah. i can get in my car plumbing i can go back to plumbing again yeah, yeah no it, <laughs> and it's like I'll, I'll have to like have this negotiation with me like this is a waste of time to go back for that one part you know you could probably fabricate it the same amount of time to go buy it or maybe it's a pack of nails that i need and then i like then i'm like oh you know what i need oh i do need screws and you know what? I need another screwdriver because the 85 I have aren't exactly the same ones I need. And, you know, so I'll I'll do this negotiation internally just to get out of here, just to go for a drive. And there are days when I'm working and working and working and I realize, like, I haven't left the property in, like, two days, two and a half days. I it's I, I need to just go for a drive. And then I go, oh, I'll go to G&H, which is, like, the Home Depot up here close to my house. And I'm like, what do I need from there? And I'm like. Oh, I can go look at the gun section. All right, let me just go to GNH to go look at the guns because they sell handguns. I don't buy them, but I look at them. And it's it's a negotiation, ongoing negotiation. But when I, you know, this isn't anything new. I have said this every day for the last five years on the podcast. But when I have a lot of things to do and I don't want to do any of them, I just do a little bit of each one at a time. And, uh, you know, I'm working on two big projects in the shop this week. And I'm just, I'll work on one for an hour, scroll for about an hour. <laughs> <laughs> and then go back and work on the other one for an hour and then scroll for 15 minutes and then go back and work on the other one for an hour. So I've been bouncing back and forth this week. And uh, it helps to do something a little bit different. Like I've been almost always listening to podcasts in my ears. But since I'm in my big shop and Patrick set the place up with a really beautiful set of speakers when we very first got the electric in there. So these speakers have been in there since you know three or four years now. And, and I never use those speakers because I'm always listening to a podcast in my ear. So this week... I've been playing music in the whole shop, like it like fills the whole room with music, and 
uh, just listening to some you know stuff that that I haven't that I've kind of put on the side. And like, oh, you know, I listen to this. Let me listen to that. Whatever. That helps too. You know, just try and figure out slight little different points of view or just different types of stimulation. And then when these tasks start to seem like a pain in the butt, you look at them, you're like, oh, that's not really such a big deal. Like I slowly work through putting all, I get this, this cabinet I'm working on is going to have 10 drawers in it. And at first I wasn't going to put extensions on them, like full rail extensions. But then I realized the drawers are all going to be kind of finicky fitting into the space and they're short. So when you pull out a short drawer, it's always pain in the butt. So I was like, let me just put sliders on all of them. So I intentionally made all the drawers to go one way and now I'm making them all another way. So it was a little engineering. Anyway, I worked through nearly all of it. Just a little bit at a time, just slowly, slowly approaching it and you know, setting just short-term goals. Like by 2 o'clock, that's going to be done. By 3 o'clock, that's going to be done. And you know, that helps me get through it. But that's through the and work. Then, then there's like on a Sunday, like for instance, this Sunday, me and Taylor did nothing. We literally did nothing from when we woke up until about 7 o'clock at night. And she had stuff to do and I had stuff to do and we just ignored it all day long. Mm. Just lounging around doing nothing playing with the dogs and then at like seven o'clock i'm like all right i'm gonna go work <laughs> so, so i went sunday night i started work at seven and i worked till about two in the morning so i mean i i definitely so feel that about the work i think the thing that i'm realizing that i'm not allowing for is the creative the yeah you know that that yeah. idea generation thing is yeah. what i don't allow rest for well here this is a funny thing so last night i this I, I, me and Taylor was scheduled to hang out last night. We like we were going to have our Valentine's date last night, but she got jammed up with some projects she was working on, and it kind of took over. So she's like, "I have to finish this thing on the sewing machine." So she was on the sewing machine, and we were planning to go out to dinner, but we scrapped those plans. And she was working on the sewing machine, and I was just sitting there with a blank piece of paper in front of me. And I was like, "Instead of scrolling and wasting time, let me come up with an idea." Mm. And so I was like, "What can I do?" And I, I said the blank piece of paper was in front of me, so I just drew a cube on it. I was like. There is a building block. And this is the negotiation I had internally. I drew a building block. And then I drew another building block. And then I started. And then that led to this whole new concept that I want to do with Sen Cut Sen that we were talking about before we started. And if I didn't draw that cube to just, because I didn't know why I was drawing a cube. I just said, let me just, what is the, what am I going to build? I don't know. Let me build a box. So in my mind, I was building a box by drawing it on the paper. And that jogged something that jogged something that jogged something and that was a complete writer's block that i had to just get through and that's what i did so that was just a little dumb exercise i did just you know 10 hours ago hmm. so i need i need like a day to organize my thoughts because i i i have i i deal with this quite a bit but it's in very short little little bursts and and it's like once a month there'll be a day where I'll like I don't feel, I, I don't, I, I don't want to create anything, and it feels like the end of the world. It like it's so intense, mm. like, I, it blows up in my mind. Like ah, I don't want to do anything today. Am I at the end? What what is going on? I don't feel creative. I, I'm not pushing myself, and then the next day I'll start a new project, and and like that feeling is totally gone and i just like it just blew up in my mind a lot of, this this is probably a very unhealthy way to fix that but a lot of times i will purchase something to spark some creativity to make me want to create again and so 
this is the reason I have I have an airbrushing kit that I've never used that I've sat on for like a year. It's the reason I have a ball turner for the lathe that I've sat on for a year. It's the reason I have this because I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to buy this thing and it's going to allow me to do this other thing. And then I do that. And for some reason, I feel better when I purchase, whether it's a material or a thing. I'm not spending like thousands of dollars usually sometimes, but um, <laughs> like that, just that, that, that new thing sparks the idea. And then... I don't even I don't even tackle that airbrushing. I go back to something else and I'm fine. But now I have that airbrushing stuff and someday I'm going to really want to airbrush and I'm and I'm going to do it. And I do this over and over and over again. And it's I when Cameron Dan was uh I was explaining this to Cameron Dan months ago and he he just couldn't understand why I would get a new tool and not open the box immediately. Because sometimes I'll get the thing and it just it just gets pushed away. Like he he was like, you have to open the box right away. You have to yeah. play with it right away. And I'm like, no, I, I just needed to get the thing. I've experienced both ends of that spectrum where you get something and you're like, oh, the learning curve. I don't want to deal with this. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, it, but it always works. If I just let it sit, that inspiration to use that thing will come back and I'll be super excited about it. And that'll be the thing that I'm obsessed with for that week. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely done the the spend money as a distraction thing. <laughs> what, and I think I do it, I try not to do it with tools, but I absolutely do do it with tools. But what I try to do is with hardware, um, when I get stuck like that, I'll go onto Amazon and search for like, um, you know, like uh, some sort of like threaded insert or um, some weird hinge or something. And then once you get, in Amazon, once you get on a path like that, it'll start suggesting other things, other products that are similar or related or people bought, whatever. And I've run into some really strange pieces of hardware that I have no business owning, I have no use for, but I'll like, oh yeah, I could buy 10 of those things and then I'll, you know, it's like five bucks and then I'll have those things in case I come up with an idea. Same thing you're saying, David, but like with hardware. And so I have this big uh, kind of metal it's just like a bunch of metal cubbies, you know, like you would see at the store. And so most of the little things in those cubbies are just a little bag of hardware that's, you know, like an angled plate for a for a tapered leg for a table. I don't know when I'm ever going to use that. Or like those little metal insert pieces that IKEA hard or you know furniture uses, where it's like a screw that turns a quarter and then turns into the little acceptor piece you know like you can buy just that hardware so I, I bought some of that I found acrylic hinges one time there it's a it's a clear acrylic hinge that you can weld on to a piece of acrylic and then you have a hinge you don't have to worry about drilling and screwing through it that's cool I've never needed it but I have four of them <laughs> just in case <laughs> so I mean I've done that that same thing and that is a good kind of um, motivator it gives you another thing in your head to remember that, well, in any situation where I need to have an acrylic hinge or make two pieces of acrylic move against each other, I, you know, I now have that thing. But I need to figure out, I think, rather than a distraction there in another creative distraction or like a, you know, that's kind of looking for fuel for a future fire, I think I need to figure out a way to really just turn off. I, you know, I need to be able to decide this week or today or this next hour 
don't be creative. It's like find a mundane thing to accomplish to, to really let those muscles rest. Because I think if I just try to distract those muscles with a different kind of work, like, I don't know that that really gives me the, the mental rest that I'm needing as far as creative stuff, because I, I don't want to get to a point and I I'd get this way on occasion. I don't want to get to a point to where I kind of, uh, resent having to come up with ideas like that sounds terrible, mm-hmm. but it also sounds like it could happen very easily with what we do where you resent the fact that you have to be, you have to think of something new all the time or you have to look for problems when there's not actually that many problems. I mean, it's one of the issues of renovating your home is eventually you renovate it all and then there's no more problems mm-hmm. to solve. You know, there's no more rooms to co- accomplish. And so I don't want to get to it. I think at the average uh I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to say the average woman will figure out something to do. <laughs> I don't want to get to a point to where I'm like, you know, resenting the, the the need to come up with a creative thing. And so I'm trying to figure out, I guess, how to how to force myself to really be on a different path for just a little while, for whatever that time is, you know, to, to rest those creative yeah. muscles. But yeah, that's where I'm at. It's, I'm just trying to figure it out. It's, you know, what, when I worked at, you know, I worked at Kmart for eight years and I remember like, Hey, this, this job sucks. Like I'm working for somebody else. This, this job sucks, but there's no, there's no pressure to be creative. There's no pressure to, to think you just, you just do. And so while I'm in that situation, I'm like, this, this sucks. And now that I work for myself, I'm like, I, that job didn't suck as much as I thought it did because <laughs> there was no pressure. You just did what you had to do. And now there's constant pressure. Um, my job now does not suck. I, I, yeah. I want to make it clear that I am not complaining. I am the luckiest dude in the world. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to try and I thrive on, on the pressure but that pressure builds up and you have to release that pressure every once in a while. Yeah. And I guess it's about trying to figure out how to build in margin, you know, for yeah. that pressure to be able to be released or that, you know, to, to take a break, take a breath, whatever. I don't think um, that for me, that can't be scheduled. That, that just has to, whenever yeah. I need that release, that pressure release, you just got to do it. I can't just say like, Oh, every two weeks I'm going to take a day off where, I just organize the shop or whatever. No. Yeah. Because if there's something on your brain, that time will be, your brain will yep. go and do that work. Yeah. That's a good point. I was talking to my agent uh, the other day because we've had, we've been really blessed with a lot of sponsorships so far this year, which is weird for this time of year. Usually January, February is like radio silence for most sponsors. We've had a lot and we've had a, some long-term stuff that's going to go throughout the year. And, and that's really reassuring financially, but it also puts, it puts a requirement on every week or every month. Or, Come up with a creative every week. Yeah. I mean, like there's. That pleases eight people. <laughs> you've, all right. You've had a commitment that you've made that you have to keep up with, you know, and that's a big thing for me. So the flip side of the security, and this is kind of like the Kmart thing, you know, like the flip side of the security is that it comes with a big, a requirement, you know, and you have to, you have to follow through. And so we and were you build talking. it up. I know I, we all build it up more and more because like, Oh, I got to do, I got to outdo myself from the previous project or the previous year. I want to get better. And so yeah. we, it's not just the pressure of doing, it's the pressure of doing 
and doing it better. Yeah. Yeah. And honestly, this kind of goes back to what I was talking about the Carmen Ghia too. It's, th- it's that doing better, but also that it has to be a complete thought that I can't just do some work for a week. It has to be a point A to point B accomplished whatever. When it's kind of the same thing as like doing better. Yeah. But anyway, so we're trying to figure out how to pull back on, not necessarily pull back on the sponsors, but just our, like our, how many we're going to have every month so that there is a free week. And that week can be whatever, you know, like you were talking, David, like whatever day you need it, (laughs) whatever week you need it can just be a Mm -hmm. free week, you know. So we're trying to figure that out. Um, It's kind of an amazing problem to have to be like, oh, we have too many sponsors. Boo hoo. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy's at your three. Not complaining about that for sure, but trying to figure out how to manage it, you know. He's asking about the noise in the back. And the guys that are doing the basement just showed up. They come at about 10, 10, 15 every day. <laughs> and they have a big, giant tractor with buckets of gravel. Um, what I was going to say was there are times where, and I, I am always negotiating with Taylor about this because she gets overwhelmed with stuff. I was like, and, and I'm obviously have more experience. So when I'm telling her, I'm saying to myself, I'm telling her what I say to myself. It's if I have this whole bunch of things to do, which is going to take three weeks or four weeks or, or two months, get this done and then after that we could have any kind of time we want for ourselves so i really have like mentally trained myself to be able to be like okay this is if it's a flat tire then it's just a couple of hours you're dealing with if it's these eight obligations that are going to take me two months to finish that's the obligation and i did it with the trailer every time i looked at that trailer i'm like i don't want to do it but let me just this is a problem i got to deal with and let me just deal with it let me just handle everything as it comes. And so, and then I step away from it and, and it's a different person looking out the outside in going that. And then I step into that character and I'm like, for some reason I said, yes, let me figure this out. So it's it's like this trick I play on my mind where I'm it's like, does that make sense? I don't know, I'm kind of rambling. No, uh, uh, tricks. Yeah. Tricks is the, is the right word. Like I'm constantly tricking myself into wanting to do this or to do this or to feel good about this and that's whether it's work stuff or or home stuff it's trying to figure out the the little tricks and the tricks don't work forever that's why there are so many self-help books and self-help courses because hmm. those tricks wear off you got to come up with a <laughs> well, new one I, I i and i'm also a little bit ocd and that i have to finish most of the things that i start i do have abandoned projects in my life but for the most part especially when I'm, there's other people involved like, it's funny because on the toolbox, Taylor's like, what about, are you doing this? Or like, what about this? And I'm just like, well, it's for me, so it doesn't matter. But if it was for a client, I'd be super obsessive, compulsive, making sure everything's perfect. The toolbox is going to be mine. So no lie, there's certain corners I'm cutting only because it's not for anybody else. It's for me. Mm-hmm. And if in a month from now, the drawer falls out, I'll fix it and put it back in. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But if it's leaving the shop, everything's got to be bulletproof. It's got to have screws and everything and everything's got to be perfect and it's got to be... Bo- but if it's for me, I'm like, all right, cool. I can move on. I can keep moving through this and get this done. And then by the end of the video, you'll have a toolbox that looks great on camera. Might not be a thousand percent perfect, but it's going to be like ninety five percent perfect. I got as a far as mechanical goes. Question for you then: Do you does that make you feel guilty? Because when I was in, uh, when I was in school for graphic design, there was the 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 one professor, and he was always like 
always put your best work out there. Like even when it comes to mat, like we had to mat all of our artwork and that was a process. Like the matting is just as important as the artwork. You have to. I agree with that. Yeah. And, and so now when I do the things that I'm doing for myself, I will cut corners. Like, okay, this only gets, one, mm-hmm. I'm not going to sand. I'm not going to spend hours sanding this. This only gets one coat right. of finish. I can fix it. Right. And then I feel guilty for that. Do you feel that guilt? No, <laughs> not at all. Because people say, how do you get so much done? I'm not like that guy that obsesses compulsively, obsesses over the exact finish, the exact this. You know, there's a, if you want to, if you want to be successful in business, you really got to decide. Yeah. Where to where to put your time and energy? If this is going to leave and represent, this is going to leave the property and represent me somewhere else. I will make absolutely to my best ability that everything is right. If it's going to stay here and the net result is a prop for a YouTube video, then it's going to be a prop for a YouTube video. But I'm going to make sure it's useful because it will end up in the background of my other videos. And this toolbox will absolutely 100% be used. It's going to fill a void where I've had scattered tools here and there, and now they're all going to be in one spot. And so it will be good, but like I said, if it leaves the property and gets in somebody else's hands like the trailer, I make absolutely sure I've done the best I can to make sure everything works. Well, that's a trade-off but, we were talking about earlier. I mean, like yeah. last night I was painting this table base at 11 o'clock, painting it black because it needed to be black for today. And I was exhausted and I didn't want to do it and I didn't do a great job painting it, but it's black. <laughs> and that matters only because it is going to go underneath a table in our office and nobody else is ever going to see it. And so, yes, I agree, Jimmy, if that was going to go at somebody else's house or somebody else's office, I would have stayed up till midnight to get a second coat Making on sure it. Making sure the grain is perfect, like, yeah. Yeah, what, fill but, in any voids, yeah. But the trade-off is I needed the rest, but it also had to be black for this morning so we could continue to work on it. So, yeah, I mean. It's funny, in, in various ways, various several ways, Nick has often said, when he and I hang out, and I haven't seen Nick Offman in a bit, but he he always says, you do this for a living, so you have, there's certain things you have to do a certain way. He goes, I get to play in my workshop, so I could spend all the time in the world to make a slab table for a friend that I'm charging one-fifth as much as it should be if I had to do this for a living. He goes, you do this every day of your life, so you've trained yourself how to cut corners where you need to, spend time where you know you have to, and you know, do stuff like that. That because I like that conversation came up a few times, but I remember specifically it came up because of the CNC machine. And Nick has this uh, love hate re- well, he has this hate hate relationship <laughs> with CNC machines. And uh, but he's like, no, because for you, it's understandable. You, this is your business. I was like, that was his way of saying, I understand. It's okay. You could use a CNC machine, but I can't. I don't, I don't want. To. I think he's he's even said. I read it. Maybe it was in his book or or something, but. Uh, for his company, like uh, they have to have something CNC'd, but they don't want to CNC in the house, so they send it down the road to have this other company <laughs> CNC it. Yeah, possibly, possibly, yeah. But uh, yeah, that, that's a, that's a whole different subject. <laughs> Where to spend your time, hundred percent, and you know. But that's another thing too. Do, you know, I don't know if that's any that's a therapeutic idea for you, Bob. Is it? Don't get crazy about. Well, I don't know. Never mind. That's a random thought. It's not, <laughs> not related. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, you know, I was just curious how you guys dealt with needing to take that break, but at the same time, needing to continue things moving forward. Now. Well, it's funny. Uh, you reminded me the other day when the tree guy showed up Saturday morning at 7 a.m. And I came, I woke up at 
seven and I came out and they were stuck in the ice at the back of the driveway because the back <laughs> my whole property goes towards the back driveway. So when there's runoff, it goes out the back driveway and out into the road. And that's obviously where it all becomes ice. So they came in the back driveway because that was the positioning of the big giant bucket truck and they were stuck. So I came out and they were all trying to figure out how to get this 10,000 pound truck off the ice. They were able to figure it out ultimately, but I that was the first problem. And then it was like this ice everywhere. So I went and got 10 bags of rock salt and threw it all over the driveway and then blah, 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 blah. So I spent the entire day with them until five o'clock, about four o'clock. So from 7 a.m. to four o'clock, I was right there helping them with whatever they needed, mostly filming them because I'm going to put together a cool sequence of them cutting the trees down. But the whole time I'm like, I should be in the shop. These guys don't need my help. They should be in the shop. And I was like, whatever. That's not often you get to see 200 and 20-year-old trees get cut down on your property. So I spent the entire day with him and also negotiating with him what to keep, what to throw away, what to what to cut up, what to cut short. He cut this big log and it plopped right across the driveway and it was like, uh, it was probably 20 feet. He goes, there you go. There's your beam if you want it. I go, how do we move it? He goes, I don't know. He goes, go get your case tractor. I'm like, oh man, I don't feel like starting that thing up. It's too cold out. <laughs> he goes, well, then I have to cut it in half to move it. I'm like, eh, cut it in half, whatever. I got trees all over the place. So <laughs> it was, you know, he, he said, Taylor said, you wanted to keep them long. I was like, whatever, cut it in half. There's trees everywhere. Who cares? He's like, yeah, yeah, that's what I think. So we, when the trees were cut shorter, he has this little, it a very similar thing to what uh, Cremona had, that like stand on thing that you stand on the back of it he had one of those with him so he was able to move some of the bigger things around and then the last big cut log he cut flopped into the front yard so he just like and it fell over and that was about 18 20 feet long and he's just like there you go and (laughs) the thing probably weighs eight tons so i said leave it i got cut it up if i need to move it i go whatever it's like okay have a nice day now then we spent about an hour cleaning up the whole property because the property gets destroyed broken limbs and leaves and pine cones everywhere all right well you guys got anything else on this no all right well let me thank our patreon supporters and you guys can find something to recommend big thanks to everybody over at patreon that supports the show somebody was asking this week if i could i think it was sean was asking if we could change the thumbnail of the after show so that they we're not the same in their podcast player. And that's a really good idea. So I'm going to try to do that. Uh, the After Show is a separate podcast feed that our Patreon supporters get. And it's more of us talking after the show, which is why we call it the After Show. Everybody gets that over there no matter what level they're supporting at. But our top supporters are Full Steam Designs by Chris Powell, Odin Leather Goods, Rich at Lowen Designs, Blondie Hacks, Fun Kiss Artistic Creations, You Can Make This Too, Chad from Mancrafting, Works by Solo, Albers Woodworks, and Corey Ward. Big thanks to them uh, for going above and beyond and supporting us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, if you want to get the after show, join that group of people. You can go to patreon.com slash making it and do that. Or you can just leave us a review somewhere. That helps as well. Did I give you guys enough time to figure out something to recommend? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> go. All right, Jimmy's muted, so I'm going to go ahead and go. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so my <laughs> pick is it's a channel called Engineering Explained, and it's mostly about automotive engineering. And this guy does an amazing job of breaking down like complex things on a whiteboard and, and explaining it to you. It, it's really good. The I'm not going to link to the 
channel page, I'm going to link to a, a video and it's one of his older videos, but it's about piston rings. And it's like, what is this? It's, it's three minutes and 50 seconds long. And he explains everything you would ever want to know on the four things that piston rings do. And it's so concise and it's so well explained. And it's just a great example of how he's really good at breaking down complex things. I know piston rings aren't complex, but they serve like many purposes. And just like, hmm. this is what you need to know. So engineering explained. It's really good. A lot of his newer videos are um, less about the engineering of automotive. And it's more about like, uh, there's this new engine coming out or whatever. But the whole channel is fantastic. It's, it's good stuff. Cool. Mhm. 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 I got I want to make sure I say this guy's name right. Um, okay. Well, wow, this is funny. Either I fell asleep with my phone on or somebody's hacked my account because there's like a million videos that I don't remember watching. Hacked. Oh boy. Hold on, let's see. My history. I think I fell asleep with the phone on. <laughs> ah, I hate autoplay. I hate autoplay so I like for some reason, autoplay keeps coming back on on various like whether it's on my Apple TV or my phone or my computer, and I keep turning it off, and it, like just drives me nuts because I want to watch a video and then I want to walk away and I want it to stop, but no, it'll keep playing, and that mm. ruins my history because it won't because maybe it'll play a video that I want to see. I'm sorry, I'm gonna. You know what? Next week, I'm gonna go on a half hour rant about autoplay and how it is destroying my <laughs> Looking life. Looking forward to it. Yes, it's gonna be great. All right, so uh, I'm gonna talk about two things. Okay. There is uh, Dusty Slay, the comedian. Did I mention him? I don't think so. Dusty Slay? I don't know. You gotta check him out. He's a funny dude. He's been out for a while and he just popped up. I found him on Instagram, I think, but then I started searching him on YouTube. And I already like his he's look. He's very funny. I like his look. Oh, yeah. He's very funny. He's got this very deadpan delivery. And oh, yeah. He's really funny. I know that yeah. guy. So there's check out Dusty Slay just as a comedian. And then Part-Time Explorer is a channel that popped up. It's not an old channel. It's only from 2020. But he does, he does in-depth dive informational videos on history of mostly boats, mostly ships, like big old ships, like the wreck of this and the wreck of that and the wreck of that or the White Star Line. And it's really, really interesting if you like old ships. And I've watched probably five of his videos in the last week. And uh, he has one on the ghostly ruins of the Overlook Mountain House, which up here in Woodstock, New York, there's the Overlook Mountain House, which was, there was three versions of it. And the last version was was being built in the 1930s and then the project ran out of money and they abandoned it so now it's a hiker destination there's this big giant concrete ornate beautiful building with no walls or floor just the the exterior of this giant mountain house that's just abandoned in the woods so it's a it's a hiker's destination and i've been seeing pictures of it for years it's only like 30 miles from here and i never went so maybe this summer i'll go but he does an in-depth dive on that so part-time explorer so isn't it wild I, it's it's wild to me that that there is a an appetite for so many types of content and that there are people willing to put in the effort to create so many types of content yeah. the fact that you just he's said just sitting there, that there's a part-time there explorer the thing about boats like that seems yeah. like such a narrow little swath of people but and when i say awesome. boats i should say ships well, because yeah. he's talking about like giant maritime ships that like crossed the atlantic and the history of and where they were built and 
It's really, really interesting. That's super cool. I, I just think it's awesome that there yeah. are enough people interested in that and people interested to create that content for those people. I yeah. think that's right. That says a lot about and you, YouTube. Yeah. And you could listen yeah. as a you could listen to any of his episodes as like a podcast because mm. you don't. I mean, there's lots of video visual to go with them, but you could listen and just get just the same amount out of it. That's cool. Sweet. All right. Well, uh, oh, I didn't give mine. Uh, mine, I've, we've been looking up dog training videos a lot for the past couple of months now. Um, it's been a long time since we've had puppies. Like it, our puppies were, you know, like almost 20 years ago. So we're trying to relearn the training stuff and kind of see what the modern training stuff is. And so we've come across a bunch of different channels. A lot of them are iffy. Um, one that I don't really like the guy, to be honest. Like, I don't think he's somebody I would hang out with, but he seems to know what he's talking about with <laughs> dogs. Um, it's called Beckman's Dog Training. And he, it seems to be really good uh, information. Like I said, he is probably somebody that I wouldn't enjoy being around. Mm-hmm. <laughs> From watching these videos, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong about that. Um, but he does seem to have a pretty good knowledge of how to get a dog to react correctly and stuff in in a in a positive ways and you know in healthy ways and stuff he's not one of those really aggressive trainers because there are some of them that are like not something i would want to emulate but um anyway this mm-hmm. has been a pretty good one he has a lot of videos so go check that one out if you have a dog and if you don't then that's probably not interesting to you so i'll tell you a funny story so you guys know Peter Kane, the dog trainer I've talked about a few times. Mm-hmm. He's a very wacky artist who does dog training videos from time to time, but also does this crazy art stuff in between. And Peter and I are friendly because he trained Chippy and he's trained Bear. and uh, But he's like a wacky artist. Taylor calls me the other day and she's like, Peter is panicked. He's freaking out. Can you call him? I go, what happened? She goes, his channel is gone and he doesn't know what happened. So he got on the phone. he's like, dude, I'm freaking out. He's had a channel since 2006, like since YouTube began. Mm. And he's got thousands of videos. And anyway, I said, I called up Eric, Eric Hansel Rescue. His channel disappeared about two months ago out of nowhere, which turned out to be a glitch. And uh, he said, he goes, just tell him to Google this number. And then he Googled, he goes, I can't find it. He's panicking. And then I have a, I'm part of a network called Bent Pixels. So I called my friend Nick over at Bent Pixels. I said, my buddy lost his channel. He doesn't know what to do. I said, can you just guide me in the right direction? And he said, just give me his number. I'll call him. And so he, he handled it. He got his channel back. Oh, wow. Which, could you imagine? And I don't know exactly the circumstances of why he lost his channel for three or four days, but nothing. And we kept Googling, we kept Googling just to me, because I, I don't want to bother Peter, but I just kept second to see if his channel came back. And then last night it finally came back. Wow. That's scary. So, man, imagine. Yeah, that was it. That was, so I guess it was like since Monday. No, no. Saturday. So Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. So it's. About four days, his channel was completely shut down. He doesn't, and like I said, I don't know why, but. That's wild. I don't know the details. When I find out, I'll let you guys know. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well. Cool. Thanks for listening, everybody. That's it. Love you. Love you. I love your look, Dave. Love your look.